Okay, welcome to an episode of Episodes. It is Music Speaks, sometimes very loud, with your host, Gonzo, and on the panel. M48. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Chilling, just blue chipping it up. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) I had to start with that. So today's episode is brought to you by Blue Chip Picks, the best picks on the planet. We're not sponsored, but they're amazing. They're um they're made out of this uh, vest pull thing from Dupont, and they're the they're the best pick ever. Ever. Yeah, who, was, who was the guy that recommended that to you? I don't know. I just got some random ad from Instagram. <laughs> I think it was a message from you, and you're like, "Oh, these picks are amazing. I think you should try them today." That's what's funny is I, what's funny is I don't think they even have an Instagram page. I think they're just um they just um have their website. That's it. Because, I mean, I, I never heard of Blue Chip until I seen John Mayer play one. And then um, he gave one of his picks to Mateus Asado. And Mateus Asado was like, really? I'm not going to spend $35 on a guitar pick. Mateus Asado, is he the Sir Telecaster guy? Yes. He stopped his IG page. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I did. We'll We'll probably get to that. Okay, so John Mayer gave him a pick. I'm not spending 35 bucks, and then what happened? Yeah, he's like, dude, I'm not going to spend $35 on a stupid guitar pick. What are you nuts? He's like, only like he was probably thinking to himself, only guys like John can afford $35 a pick. So John goes, dude, trust me, it's the most amazing pick I've ever had, and he gave it to him, and he posted it on his Instagram account before he, um, well, not right before, but before he. Um, suspended his account. He logged off of Instagram and he said it's the best guitar pick he's ever played. So it kind of got my curiosity going. I was like, okay, so it's not just uh, it's not just John Mayer who's saying that it's the greatest pick. It's other guitar players that I, I really like. So I before I ordered it, I asked you, hey, would you pay $35 for a guitar pick? And you're like, what was your response? Uh, it's probably like, fuck no. <laughs> it was something in that nature. I would be like, wait, what? No, no. Ugh. So then I, I brought up like the, the names and stuff that I just, um, I just dropped. And then you're like, you know what? I'll check it out. So you ordered it. I ordered it, you know, a couple days afterwards. Cause for some stupid reason, I got busy is he doing what, man? There's nothing more important than music. So I don't I don't know where your priorities at, dog. Okay, so you got busy. I ended up ordering it like a noob on um, the Instagram account. I don't know why. I just did. So the pick, I got it basically specced out to the same as my John Petrucci pick. The jazz one. Yeah, I got the, the actual 1.5 millimeter thickness. Uh, big jazz pick. To, it matches mirror. Um, it's identical to the Petrucci. Mm-hmm. Identical. So the pick comes in, comes in after a week, and of course you're gonna spend that extra four dollars to engrave it. I mean, you're you're already thirty five bucks deep into this. So you're gonna be like, eh, let me just engrave. So I can engrave three letters on it. I wanted to put "fuck your couch," but I couldn't because you can only put three letters on the jazz pick. See, mine. I or I ordered it and I engraved my name on it. Because it's the full, you know, basic size pick. And it allowed you to do, I think, like maybe six or seven characters per line. If you're an artist, they let you write your whole name. 
Yeah. I know. We're not artists yet. So the pick they offer, of course, if you spend another $5, you get a pouch. Or you get a custom pick wood holder. That one was pretty cool. I saw that after, you know, after the fact, but yeah. No, no, it's totally worth it. Because, I mean, when you're spending that much on a pick, I know it's excessive, but you're spending that much on a pick. You want to make sure you know where this pick is at at all mm-hmm. times. So I ordered the pick from Blue Chip. Um, so this is this is what's going on in the pick world because I'm not one to spend that much coin on a on a pick. But here's here's the here's a countering argument for those thinking, do I really want to spend that kind of money? Uh, I'm an early adopter of things that tend to wear less than the average. I, I wear out the the materials of all the Dunlop picks. The nylon, I'll go through nylon pick in two hours. The the Oltex. I'll go through the old text material and, you know, two practice sessions. I'm really, really aggressive in my playing. So when I was doing research on how companies decide on the material, I'm like, well, why didn't anyone else think of using different materials for picks? There are different companies that release different material. And what uh, actually, what actually, what mostly triggered this incentive to purchase this pick, there was a YouTube, the YouTube was going crazy over the Sterling Silver Fender pick. Did you see that? Oh pick? yeah, I saw. I saw that. Is that the one that um, Music Is Win did a video on? He did a video, and a couple of other guys did too. Okay, yeah. So that pick is like okay, fifty dollars for a pick. Okay. So what I'm thinking, okay, I, I like to think of things as material. Like okay, there's materials. Like everyone knows, no, no, no secret. My fret wire has to be stainless steel. I know it's a secret. Um, just because of the fact that it's, it tends to wear less on the type of strings that I use. If I were to use stainless steel strings, yeah, they'll eat through them like nothing. But I use a weak metal string with a hard metal fret. Regardless, what Blue Chip did is they basically patented the use of a material called Vespel. It's a DuPont material. It's a very, very, very hard... Um, when, when you combine different types of plastics and alloys, I forgot what it's called. It's a synthesized material. So they own the proprietary, I mean, they don't own the material per se, but they own the proprietary to making picks out of that material. So that mm-hmm. material can withstand high heat and it's uh, it's prone to not wear. It's made for moving parts, like plastic moving parts that you're not going to replace with stainless steel. You'd replace with this Vespa plastic material. They're, they come in rods. So mm-hmm. I looked at the cost. I mean, those rods are expensive as hell. So the $35 mark is because you're paying for someone to take their time to buff these things out to CNC cut it to buff it to the to spec and then ship it out yeah they, I mean they got to make a profit of course they're not gonna just do this out of the goodness of their hearts um it's a custom pick someone hand details it and fine tunes it so then the pick comes in the mail um it came in the mail it was supposed to be here on Friday but it came in on Thursday one day early and I was practicing and I saw that it's in my mailbox so I run to my mailbox right I got 30 more minutes in my practice. And um, I, I try it against, I A-B it with the Petrucci pick and that pick. And that pick, it feels like you're using a brand new pick all the time. It does not feel like you're losing your pick status. Like when, when you use a nut, like an Oltex pick or a graphite pick, you tend to feel like, okay, after a while you feel that wear and it kind of adjusts your playing. Because of the way the pick is wearing, that pick does not wear. It's kind of a head fake. It's like, oh, dude, 
it just keeps going and going. The grip is kind of funny at first. You're going to feel that the pick feels weird. Like, uh, but then your, your nail and your side of your finger tends to create a groove within it. It doesn't create a groove, but your oils, your, your, your skin oils tend to create sort of a, a grip for that pick. Cause at first it felt funny. And then it kind of feels like, oh, it sits like a glove and it doesn't move. And tone-wise, I mean, it turned... Um, I'm using the Ibanez right now, the RG6U Uppercut Series. That's a very low, bassy guitar with, you know, with high... with low-end um, pups. But that pick makes that thing sonically sound more articulate. So that's pretty cool. That's a hell of a testimony. Yeah, it does. It does. It does articulate. And if you're someone that I mean, and then you got to also think of like how much picks do we? There's no recycling program for picks. I mean, I go through picks and they essentially become trash. So I was kind of like, okay, well, I don't want to have something to have to waste so often. So I don't know. I'm gonna probably pick up another one as a backup. You always have to have a backup, but I'm gonna probably finance it for 12 months, make two dollar and fifty cent payments. Yeah, I mean that's that's the most um, financially responsible thing to do. Yeah, because I mean that pick's expensive, but I mean that's what a person spends a month on picks. <laughs> you, yeah, pe- I mean, people spend three bucks a month. I mean, if you're harsh on your picks, I mean, I bought a a Jazz Three pack of twenty four Jazz Three one point fives, and I mean I go through two a week. So what's funny? What's kind of interesting for me is. I like the feel of a wear a worn out pick. Like if I grab a if I grab a brand brand new pick, it feels weird to me. Like it, there's kind of for me there's like an adjustment kind of I have to work myself around it. But if I if I pick up like an old pick, it's like you know putting on you know your favorite pair of jeans or something like that. It just it just feels right, you know. It it does. It, this one I don't know. I, I like the, the 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 pick always being the same. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's not wearing is like, ooh, I'm sure it's going to wear. It is a consumable item. It just takes a lot longer to wear. So I yeah. think I'm speculating right now. It's, I've been, what, 18 hours in and the pick still feels new. But they say after some time, it'll start to to run out. But I mean, if I can get a year out of it, I mean, that's that's good. That's a good run. A year of pick wear to you is like a lifetime of pick wear to most people. <laughs> Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a style of playing, you know, thrash metal and jazz. <laughs> Those are very pick, pick heavy, I, heavy things. But you know what? I did notice because I've I've watched some reviews on YouTube before, and it does make the instrument a little brighter. So I saw this uh, this review of um, this guy. He was demonstrating different gauges of the pick. So like he did like a thirty five. He did a thumb pick. He did a forty. He did you know all the way up to probably like a two mil. And on he did primarily acoustic guitar. I think it was all acoustic guitar. But the acoustic guitar compared to you know like a regular pick, you know like let's say a Dunlop or you know I think he threw a Gravity pick in there. But you know just kind of like the ones that you buy at Guitar Center. And then he threw in um, the picks that I use, which is the Dunlop uh, Prime Tone. Oh, yeah, which yeah, yeah, is, yeah, which is their knockoff on the blue chip. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yep. I was going to say, that's like the, the knockoff of it. I was going to ask you, 
how that compares to it. Even oh, though it's no, not the no, same there's no, there's no comparison. None, none, zero. The prime tone was more of a mellow soft tone. Mm-hmm. The, this, this is like, I, what I can best compare it to is like, a, you know how people used to look for tortoise shells for their mandolins? Yes. Yes. This is like a synthetic tortoise shell shell. Wow. Interesting. For those who don't know, tortoise shell is a material of guitar pick that was used in like maybe like the 60s or 70s. And now it's um, it's uh, illegal to use because obviously it's made from real tortoise shell. For good reason. And For good reason. Yeah. I mean, this whole movement with saving the turtles is real. So, yeah, those turtles are fucking I- awesome. I mean, they saved um, April O'Neil. So they're good people. They also like fought the the time crisis. Turtles save, man. Turtles save. I, I, I like turtles. I, I mean, turtles, they're probably like my favorite reptile. I mean, so shout out to all the turtles out there. The sea turtles, you know, the box turtles, you know, all those turtles. They're cool. They're cool. But anyways, so back to our topic. Um, yeah, the the Dunlop Primetone was like the Walmart version compared to the Blue Chip. And that's why I got the, the Primetone because it's like I didn't want to invest that much into it yet. Mm-hmm. But now since mine's on back order or it's it's not on back order it's just lost it, i ordered my, I, I ordered my pick like three days after yours and it's still oh it's somewhere. gone dude. it doesn't exist don't you see what's happening in the world man it's snowing everywhere dude yeah you're not getting your pick dude you just gotta give up see how everything just revolves around the midwest or it's not even the midwest it's it's uh the southwest yeah, I just sorry, bro. You're not gonna get your pick, man. Oh well, I guess I'll just have to wait till. That's okay. It's when... it's painful, dude. I don't think I can. I don't think I can use any other picks. I I really can't. Once you taste the luxury of like driving a Tesla like that, you're not gonna. Nope. Mm-mm. I mean, the Petrucci. I could use a Petrucci, brand new one. Like if I'm in a gig and I don't want to lose my pick, I'll take a Petrucci any day, all day. Like something I don't mind losing. But if you're practicing and recording, yeah, the the blue chip pick, it's amazing. I mean, we'll do more of a review when uh, you get yours. But I can see this pick being good for like players like John Frusciante, just because of the way he attacks and how he strums. Man, mm-hmm. this you'll, pick you'll is hear, ideal. It's like you'll hear every articulate note that he he strums. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good luxury, man, to be able to get one of these. I'm I'm really happy with it. I'm gonna get another one. Uh, probably I'll keep it the same gauge because I don't really change much. I mean. In the past 20 years, I've changed picks. I went from the the Fender 0.70 to the Jazz 3 1.38. And then from there, I switched to the Petrucci 1.5. And then I went to the Blue Chip. So I've only had a lineage of four picks I've used in my lifetime. Like, seriously. I can't do, I can't do thick picks. I don't know what it is. Well, it's because of how you, how you play. It's It's a different... I mean, I've always done thick picks, but it's the application, right? My... my uh, my what I'm thriving to play like is uh, like those jazz guys, and you know what I mean. There's a lot of a lot of sixteen notes and a lot of articulation. It's less movement that's, on the wrist. That's true. And another thing I wanted to add was, a lot of people they're probably thinking, why are you spending so much money on a guitar pick? Well, if you think about it, your left hand is on the neck of the guitar, right? Or right if you're a lefty. So a lot of people, when they pick up a guitar, they're like, the neck has to be right. It has to feel good, you know, 
with the there has to be the right neck profile. And then the right hand, they're like, oh, just give me, you know, a one cent pick. So it's like, those are the two things that make the most contact. It's like tires. With your, with your body, yeah, with your body when you're playing the guitar, you know. It's like tires on a car, right? You're not going to buy a Tesla and buy the cheapest tires you can because the tires are the only thing touching the road. Or you're like, you're going to say, okay. I'm going to spend, you know, I don't maybe like $400 on two tires on the driver's side and then just like some knockoff, you know, whatever's on the the passenger. You know, they all have to be the same tire, right? Yeah. But this this opens, I don't know how long blue chips been around, probably less than 10 years. It does change the market on what's going to be happening. Like boutique picks are going to be a thing. Mhm. I mean, it, I think I think they're already a thing, really. Yeah, because people were probably looking for something less consumable. I mean, and then yeah. guitar manufacturers, they're, a lot of them are starting to release ma- better material that doesn't wear and stuff. So I think the I think the collection of guitars is now more prevalent so, and, like, getting more guitars as opposed to just, you know, buying it and selling it, buying it and selling it. I think more people are holding on to their gear. Yeah, I think now more than ever, I think. Yeah. I mean, if I can get what I paid for my ESPs, dude, I would sell them so fast. <laughs> but I won't. They'll probably nickel and dime me. Some kid will be like, oh, I'll give you 200 bucks. It's like, yeah, yeah. You still haven't sold those things? Oh, man. Today's standards, they don't even sound good. They need to be upgraded. Mm. Like, today's standard of pickups and stuff, man, those, no. It wouldn't work anymore. Would not work. Not work for, you know, because, you know, things get better and the ears kind of like yearning for something different. Yeah, you're you kind of get used to um, certain frequencies. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to play like a loud Marshall, I'd say, yeah, those ESPs can suffice. But now they sound like the vessel is just too hollow to create a sound. I guess, but I mean, the guitars I use, I mean, the Ibanez I play is kind of futuristic in in, in the standard of comparisons to the ESPs. Mm-hmm. I mean, bare knuckle pickups. That's a more, that's a pretty modern passive pickup, and those things have like the old school '80s EMG. I mean, there's no comparison. I don't like active pickups. I like passive, so I, think I don't that's, like active. I aren't the lay sensor actives. No. Oh, I like the lay sensors, but I mean, just the just I I, I could see why you think that they're uh, they're active because they have the battery, but that's only for the mid boost. Okay. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Okay. So that's I'm the mid boost. Yeah, because you could throw a set of uh, lay sensors in like a regular Strat, and it'll sound the same. It's just when it's wired to the the tone pot for the I think it's the TBX mid thing, TBX tone control, and then the the it's it, I think it's called the Clapton mid boost, if I'm not mistaken. The Clapton that increase yeah that increases a 25 dB. Um, increase hmm yeah it's a loud guitar it's a nice sounding guitar very very fender very not bad for being not bad for being over 30 years old no not bad not bad at all and then this would that be what's up would that be considered vintage oh yeah anything above 25 oh nice or 15 i think it's 15 years 15 or 25 one of those yeah dude i mean that guitar you should probably 
take care of it. Keep it. It's paid off. It's yours. It, yeah, it, it is paid off. Or let me borrow it. <laughs> let me borrow for shows. <laughs> oh what, man! So you can so What's you up? can eat through the so you can eat through the frets. <laughs> oh yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> Speaking of shows, oh man, did you listen to Prado's new EP? Oh hell yeah, I did. Dude. I did exactly what I said I was going to do. I I listened to it while I cried while I ate my Ben and Jerry's ice cream. If you're into like '90s style rap, I recommend listening to it. It's very Bone Thug and Harmony, Dr. Dre influenced um, rap. It's really good. You know, Prado did a it, really good job. It was really like '90s to me. It was badass. You know? There's the the last song on there. I think it's called "Everything Is Okay." That one was the best for me. I like that one the best. It was, it's good shit. They, he did really well. I was re- I texted him and I said, "You, dude. I mean, not to you know blow him up. I just had to give credit where credit was due." And I'm like, "Hey, dude, you did really well. Just keep pushing, keep doing it. You know what I mean? Because that was really for me. It was enjoyable because it it takes me out of my element." Cause um, mm-hmm. one of my buddies gave me like a Grateful Dead set list, so I've been kind of listening to that nonstop every day. So <laughs> something different. It's like, huh? It's good shit. Man, that guy must be a major pothead. Dude, I can no, but the I mean, I know we're gonna have our big discussion for Grateful Dead when I get more versed, but mm-hmm. that straight up defines the sound and style of the era to the T. Like, if you want to kind of feel like, okay, if you want to go to that era and literally take a time machine, the Grateful Dead will take you there. It's, it's, I kind of see now the nostalgia behind it and why it's a, it's a very sought after band for that generation. Yes, they do a lot of repeats. Yes, they do a lot of these, but you got to understand, you know, they're trying to get you involved. Like, they're kind of saying, pay attention, stupid. I'm going to repeat myself, but pay attention. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it again, but pay attention. Yeah, it's they're they're very uh it's 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 totally different tonally what I've listened to. So I was like, okay. That's that's the same kind of thing that I got from listening. I mean, we'll do a, obviously we'll get more deeper into it, but just for something real quick, it's different tonally than what I was listening to before. You know, it was just a lot of straight what I was listening to was like a lot of straight blues, you know. Um, and then, but what they do is like, they take the blues and then they just take it to another level and then throw a bunch of paint and colors. And then, you know, just a bunch of other stuff on top of it that makes it so unique that I don't think there's any, you know, band or John, like they're, they, they go beyond, uh, genre defining, I think. Yeah, you know, they're they're because you can't say that oh, Grateful Dead is just a rock band. No, that's what they're pigeonholed as. You know, if if you go to like a record store or something, or you go search on Spotify, you'll see Grateful Dead is under the rock category. But there's so much more. They're like they're country, they are jazz, they're rhythm and blues, they're rock, they're blues. Would you say psychedelic? Psychedelic? Psychedelic, yeah. They have some psych- psychedelic tunes. Especially, they were more psychedelic in the late 60s to early 70s. After the after the late 70s, they kind of got a little bit more to the disco pop era. Oh, disco's, disco pop rock is badass, dude. 
Yeah, so you, I don't know if you got that far into it, but they kind of, they dove Let me e- see. into it a little I, bit. I can tell you exactly where I'm at, because you gave me a lot of, a lot of material. So keep discussing it, and I'll, I'll kind of pull this up. Yeah, so um, I think maybe. So I can see, I can see why people were under the influence for that. I can see why they repeat themselves. It's kind of like a trip. Mm-hmm. You're going through. You're going through the trip. I mean, for us, not for us sober listening to it. I it kind of describes the trip for us. Like, we don't have to be under the influence to understand what they're trying to convey. So I got all the way to. I just finished. I'm I'm past trucking, and now I'm in the next song from truck after trucking. Okay, yeah. So trucking is probably like the more notable. Everyone, yeah, everyone knows that that song. You know. Yeah, even when Mayor the Dead and Company trucking was one of their premiere. Yeah, everyone knows that quote. What a long, strange trip it's been. That's that's what the the quote's from. But in that version, I specifically chose that one because at the beginning, Bob Weir, the rhythm guitarist slash co vocalist, he shout out uh, Turlock, California. Oh, did you catch that? I was probably driving through Turlock when I was listening to it. Yeah, at the very it, it caught me by surprise because it's it's on uh, Europe seventy two the album for for those who want to want to listen to check it out. At the very beginning, he goes, "Yeah, this song that we're going to play right now, it went number one in uh, Turlock, California." So he's like, uh, "It went to number one on the chart." So we love everybody in Turlock, California, and I'm and I'm sure they love us too. And then they go straight into the the song, which is pretty cool because they're from San Francisco, so. For them to know, like a place like Turlock, they probably know, you know, Merced or you know places that you know we're from. Damn, dude, that's deep. And another band that kind of captures not like in this sense, but the more psychedelic. Have you got ever gotten into the Doors? Oh yeah, yeah. Now they're they're a trip band. I really want to do a full case study on the Doors. I, I used to lo- I, I listened to every one of their songs, and I remember when the Lizard King was previously unreleased. I had to purchase that Greatest Hits just to listen to the Lizard King, just to kind of see what the end was. But man, they're definitely starting a story there, dude. I think the Doors is much more psychedelic than the Dead because the Dead they were kind of like in their they're kind of what's it called they're kind of like their primary days in the late 60s i mean we'll um when we go to our grateful dead episode you know next month or whatever we'll we'll get into the history but they got their their start playing um at the acid tests in um san francisco you know the in the bay area so that's where a lot of their psychedelics and their influence in their music came but then as they popularize a little more um they kind of went to more of a kind of like a 70s kind of country-ish thing i mean because uh i think maybe i think working man's dead came out in 70 and then so did uh, american beauty those are albums from the grateful dead um they went to more like a country folksy kind of uh, uh direction because before they were the grateful dead they were a jug band what's a jug band a jug band is like um bluegrass you know music. oh okay okay yeah. so before they were the grateful dead they were the warlocks and before the warlocks they were mother mccree's uptown jug champions and jerry garcia played the banjo wow 
Oh, wow. It's funny, yeah, we so, were talking about blue chip, and then we talk about banjos and bluegrass, and we haven't mentioned the mandolin yet. But I, I don't think there was a mandolin in that band, but hey, probably there probably was. There but probably yeah, still is, it, dude. That band never died. It's so it's so crazy how you know, like like we talk about music evolving. This band evolved like they they literally went from you know like the, the fish that crawled out in the water in the prehistoric times all the way up to the human, you know, as the homo sapien today. The Darwinism. The Darwinism yeah, it, of music. Because, yeah. like, whenever somebody's like, hey, uh, if they want to get in, they, if they ask me if they want to get into Grateful Dead, I'm not going to say, hey, yeah, listen to Grateful Dead in 1968 or 1969. You know, that's, that's like a show-off. That's like saying, oh, I know more about the Grateful Dead than you because that's really kind of raw Grateful Dead. That's why I always say, if you want to get into Grateful Dead, look up anything in the mid-70s. Because that's where they were, to me, that's where I felt like that they were really polished. Okay. Yeah, you're not being like those pretentious nudes. Like like Metallic is known for Enter Sandman, but then you throw in, well, man, if you like Metallic, you would like the song Battery. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like the deep cuts. The like deep you try cuts, to throw, yeah. You try to throw their deep cuts at them you're, like, to see if they're a fan. Or like you... You um you see somebody wearing a Metallica shirt or an ACDC shirt, and you're like, oh, you're wearing an uh, ACDC shirt. Name three of their songs, you know? Like, come on. like. Oh, man, I don't even have a memory to name songs. If someone ever asked me that, I'd be like, uh, dude, I, I don't I don't have the memory for that. I wish, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have the memory. If you if you ask me name of one song, I had to look it up. Like, oh, it was called Trucking. <laughs> I, I can't remember shit, dude. Can't remember shit for the life of me. But for good reason, that's why I... The Grateful Dead's cool because I take my commute, right? I, I do a good 40, 45 minute. And when I start the playlist, I'm just like, oh shit, I'm here. <laughs> it's really relaxing music, man. It, it is. It's it's perfect driving music. Oh man, on our next adventure, dude, we'll just hit the... We'll just have Grateful Dead playing until we go see what guitar you're going to pick up. On our next uh, San Francisco, San Jose guitar extravaganza, whenever you schedule that. Why is it always me? What about you? I, I'm getting you... it from I'm getting it from Gotchogs, bro. I don't travel far. I have my connects. I have my connects, dude. Pete, the Pete Thorn, Thorny. It's gonna be here in um May. May. It's funny because when I bought it, I was all into it. I was just like, eh. Now you're just like, what? See, that, that's why I can't. I can't wait for things. You know, I have to have it now. The shiny toy is like, eh. I think the fun is buying it, and then it's like, eh. You know what I, I thought that that reminds me I thought of something a few weeks ago. It's like you know how you kind of have like the the high of retail therapy or you know like the high of buying something and then after you get it or something you're like eh, I don't really want it anymore. Yep, I think we all what go through if, that. What if there was something like an app or a website where it's like you can buy you can quote unquote buy these things that you want and you know you you fill out your your information you know but it's like and you have the thrill of ordering it but then it doesn't come or it becomes like this hardcore layaway where you pay up front but you don't get it until you finish paying it off well, that's the thing. You don't pay for it. It's like you, 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 um, I get you pretend you. like you pay for it, 
like you, you, you bring out your credit card, you know, obviously it'll be encrypted, you know, it'll be protected. And you're like, oh, I'm going to order this. And then you uh, hit add to cart and then you hit uh, send or uh, complete my order. And then you have that, you know, boost of serotonin. You're like, oh my God, I just ordered this thing. And then you have that, you know, kind of feeling. And then like a few days later, you're like, you know, why did I order that thing? Because yeah. you're trying to capture the reward sensor. That'd actually be a good application for kind of weaning off the feeling of splurging. Because you're eliminating mm-hmm. the reward part of it. That'd actually be good for people that are suffering from too much retail therapy. Hmm. I never thought of it like that. I just thought of it, you know, as like the random, you know, average Joe. So I'm going like, to like... probably remove this part of the podcast. You just came up with a million dollar idea. Nice. <laughs> yeah, let's, let, let me edit this part out. <laughs> or I'll keep it in, whatever you want me to do. It's a good idea. Well, I, here's the thing. I don't know how that would become, you know, an actual, you know, uh, thing. You know, I don't have the, the power or the, where, the wherewithal to make that happen. Yeah, you do. Just it's just it depends how much time you want to put into it. What do I do? I just go to Google. So like, hey Google, I got a million dollar idea for you. Well, you'd engineer it. So first you got to design the app, and then you got to know people that know how to code. Um, that, that's the, too the much ultimate work. conformist is a coder, but I don't know if he has time. Um, I know how to code on a very light level, but I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a good idea. It's a really good idea. So this week we lost a legend. Uh, it's interesting because every time these great artists go away, people text me and I'm always out of the loop. I'm always like, going to do whatever I'm doing, make my spinach salad. And um, I got a text from uh, from Matt. Matt was the drummer for the last time we performed together in 2015. Is that when we last played? Yes. So Matt was the drummer. You, you liked Matt. He thought he was good, right? Yeah, Matt was cool. Yeah, Matt was cool. So Matt texted me. He's like, hey, dude, Chikoria died. I'm like, wait, what? So first thing you do when they text you someone dies, you Google it. And I'm like, oh, snap, Chikoria died. And then my other friend, the bass player from that band, is like, hey, dude, Chikoria died. I'm like, oh, my God, Chikoria died. Chikoria is a jazz musician, a fusion guy. He is, uh, they call him the, the last jazz musician because they mark... One of his most popular pieces as the end of the standards and the beginning of the fusion era. He uh, he came out with the song Spain, which he's more noble, notable for. But he has a he has a plethora of of catalog where he plays different styles from classical. He helped pave the way for a lot of um, musicians like John Petitucci, um, Dave Weckl. I mean, he's played with everybody. His works have been rearranged. I mean, he uh, great musician. But he also kind of, he was ultimately, he was about kind of, he, he was kind of one of those egoless musicians where he just wanted to play the music. Like if you're a musician, your job is to play music. It's not to fight amongst each other. It's to play. So Chick Corea, I mean, rest in peace. He, he was an influence. Um, and it, the weird part is if you followed me on IG the night before he died, I recorded um, Spain on the IG. Here's the weird part to that. I don't record songs that like that because I don't want to. Because A, I can't play it that well. B, it's a very hard, difficult song. And C, I'm usually never happy with the recording. But then I, I had a case of the fuck it. So I'm like, eh, I'm just going to try it. It didn't sound clean to my standards. But whatever. I, I gave it a whirl. I played the song. I'm like, eh, I just put this up. And then the next day he passed away. 
So I'm kind of like, oh, wow, that's kind of weird. Kind of like the universe tells you something. So he released a, an article called Cheap But Good Advice for Playing Music with in a Group. His number one rule was play only what you hear. Play only what you hear. So basically what you hear in your head or what you're hearing in the in the in the in the music. Play only what you hear, what you hear in the chords, what you hear in the melody, what you hear in your your soul. Number 2 that's, was what's up? I was going to say that's really good advice. Go ahead. Yeah, play only what you hear. Number 2 is if you don't hear anything, then don't, don't play, play. it. <laughs> yep, cuz that's a sign that we, you got to be listening. Mm-hmm. Don't let your fingers. This is the one that I love the most. This is the, I'm just going to you, Instagram guitar players. Don't let your fingers and limbs just wander. Place them intentionally. Hmm. You can't see, but I'm violently shaking my head. Yes, like. <laughs> I know for the YouTube. Don't <laughs> improvise on endlessly. Don't improvise on endlessly playing something with play something with intention. Develop it or not, but then end off. Take a break. Play intentionally. That's what I'm going to start sharing with everybody. Play intentionally. I think I feel people are just too busy flexing their muscles and they're not playing intentionally what they're really hearing in their head. Leave space. Create space. Intentionally create places where you don't play. Make your sound blend. This is we discussed about blending the other day about the mids, low mids, high mids. Listen to your sound and adjust it to the rest of the band and the room. If you play more than one instrument at a time, like a drum kit or multiple keyboards, make sure they are all balanced with one another. So, yeah, that makes sense, right? If you carry multiple amps, make sure they're all sounding the same loud and same sonic space and same coloration. That way they're able to be used. I I hear the the bread guy going around your house. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't make any of your music mechanically or patterns of habit. Create each sound, phrase, and piece with choice deliberately. That goes to you, IG noodlers. Guide your choice of what to play by what you like, not by what someone else will think. So this is a big one that I think a lot of us get stuck into. Because when I write music, I think, okay, what would people like? So what we learn from Prado, right? He literally wrote an album of music that he would like. He didn't say, I think this was what you would like, Gonzalo. He says, this is what I like. So I think that that one hit me home because I'm always trying to write music for the masses and not for myself. So I I really like that one. Um, Use contrast and balance. Use contrast and balance the elements. High, low, flat, slow, loud, soft, tense, relaxed, dense, sparse. Play to make the other musicians sound good. Play things that will make the overall music sound good. Play with a relaxed body. Always release whatever tension you create. Create space. Begin, develop, and end phrases with intention. Never beat or pound your instrument. Play easily and gracefully. Create space, then play something in it. Use mimicry sparsely. Like if you're going to do call and response or copy somebody. Mostly create phrases that contrast with and develop the phrases of the other players. I mean, that's amazing advice. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite uh, Matt on the show. And we're going to kind of, 
we're going to kind of discuss the works of Chick Corea, kind of give a brief uh, analysis on his works. I mean, the song that got me into Chick Corea was Spain, but he had a plethora of albums and works and artists he's worked with. That'd be a, a pretty long show. So that's coming up pretty soon. And, you know, R.I.P. Chick Corea. I mean, too soon. He left the world too soon. Rest in peace. Yep. I was fortunate to see him live, though. That was cool. I saw my Yoshis. That was a fun show. You saw show. him live? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I saw him, Dave Weckl. Uh, it was Victor Wooten, not John Petitucci. I was a big John Petitucci fan. And then, how snooty am I, right? Oh, it's Victor Wooten. The best bass player on the planet. Oh, it's Victor Wooten. <laughs> so that, that was that's blessed. a weird that's a weird way how to say Cliff Williams. Cliff Williams. Yeah, <laughs> Cliff Williams is the the basis for uh, ACDC. Oh yeah, he can't hold a candle to Victor Wooten. I don't think anyone um, can, dude. He's the Guthrie Govan of bass. Interesting. Yeah, Victor Wooten. He's he's probably the best. He played with um, Larson, Tyler Larson. Oh wow! Yeah. You know, the reason re- the reason why I say that is because I saw this article. I think it was on Guitar Magazine or something. Um, Nikki Six, the bassist for uh, Motley Crue, they had a good movie, by the way. <laughs> it was a good movie, but uh, moving on is um, he wrote an article or he said a quote that says that he's the most underrated bass player of all time. And I commented on the, it was a tweet. I, I commented on it. It's like, all right, so we're going to pretend like uh, Cliff Williams doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, wow. Nikki Six really said that? Yeah, he said that. Like, that's like, <laughs> for, I don't want to be graphic or anything on here, but that's like the, that's like sucking your own dick. <laughs> Wait, why would he even say that? I don't know. It's like, I mean, Motley Crue's like they are what they are. They're a rock band, you know. And they did a really good job of being a rock band. So what? They did. What, what they did. Want to get to? But there's no like you know, a musician in that band where you can point out and say that's the best at their instrument. There's just not. You know, they're 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 you know they're pretty good musicians. They 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 came together. They made a great rock band, and that's it. You know, you can't. You know, you don't want. I don't think it's really. Uh, um necessary to you know kind of uh, air yourself out and say i was i'm the most underrated bass player of all time it's like uh, I, I, didn't some... know, I didn't know there was a scale and ranking system for musicians i mean that's kind of subjective yeah <laughs> seriously but i mean but i mean if we're talking all time great bass player of all time it's got to be jack bruce you don't know who jack bruce is no, I don't, and I'm a bass player. Oh my god! Who's he? I've never heard music, of him. Music speaks loud, fans. You have to boo this man right now. Who? Well, boo. you don't, you didn't know who Victor Wooten was, so boo. I can say I can say the same for you, dude. Jack Bruce is the bass player for Cream, or was the bass player for Cream for the Beato Beato album, Beato album, the Beano album, the no, Beano album, was, no. That was Clapton and the uh, that was John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. Well, not a lot of with... people are actually Clapton fans, bro. That's stupid. <laughs> it's true though. That's just straight up, you know. That's fucking stupid. Everyone needs to be a Clapton fan. <laughs> You're not. <That's>, <laughs> if you think about it, 
rock guitar starts with Eric Clapton. Yeah, but I'm talking from the the aspects of the jazz snobs. They don't, they're not Clapton fans. Man, fuck jazz snobs. <laughs> Just throwing that out there, dude. Let's 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 randomly ask Matt that question. I want to see what Matt says. Because no, Matt, but Jack Jack Bruce is a jazz musician, though. He started off as a jazz musician. Same thing with Ginger Baker. Remember Ooh. our whole. Um, well, oh, you're talking about memory our, stuff again. Our whole ep- we did a whole episode on Cream where I uh, I broke down you know the the history of Cream. Are you talking about the archive? Are you talking about the archives? Yeah, the archive. I'm gonna have to re-upload the archives. Yeah, re-listen, re-listen to it, and you'll be like, oh my god, Marcus is making sense. You have your moments, bro. You have your moments. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to I have to look more into him. It's just some people aren't fans. I actually heard someone say that. I'm not gonna tell you who, but when I do, you're gonna be like, what? <laughs> no look up on youtube jack bruce jazz you'll be i don't know if you'll be blown away because you're hard you're hard to please but you'll be like that guy was a pretty good bass player i think i'm the most underrated jazz bassist now you're sounding like nikki stick hey man i but i won a bunch <laughs> of awards and scholarships no one's no one's saying gonzalo should be a top bass player yeah but you didn't write um what's uh what's what's molly cruz <laughs> what's molly cruz most famous song uh they have a lot, is actually. Gr- is it uh, girls, Shout Out the Devil? Girls, girls, girls. Girls, girls, girls. Uh, Dr. Feelgood? Dr. Feelgood's a good song. Yeah, I don't know. But you know what? Let's let's go. Let's give an opportunity to honor. We're going to give an award to Nikki Six from Motley Crue as being the most underrated bass player in the history. It's, part- <laughs> it's one of those participation trophies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, that's that's what we're doing. So um, this award is going to be sent to you via email. Congratulations, Nikki Six, you made it on to Music Speak Sometimes Very Loud award ceremony. I'm going to tag him. Do it. I'm going to I'm going to make the quick little award. So I'll, I'll see if I can create like a little image and shit. I'm going to yeah, make it. get get the the little uh, stock image where it has the little teddy bear on it. And then, like, the shooting stars. <laughs> okay, and then tweet it, okay? We're going to make it happen. Music Speaks All Sometimes right. Very Loud is going to give that award to the most underrated bass player, Nikki Six. Final thoughts for episode... I don't even count him anymore. Today's episode was the blue chip episode, I guess, and the... I don't know what it's called. Any final my thoughts? Final, my final thought is I'm still waiting on my pick. <laughs> you know what's sad? I think I'm waiting as much as you are because I keep texting you. You're like, hey, man, is the pick in? <laughs> I know. Well, I updated you yesterday or today, and I was like, still no pick. And you're like, are you serious? <laughs> I was going to ask you, and I'm like, yeah, I'll let this guy say it. So still no pick. And then uh, me and you are collaborating uh, for the Pooner. I guess we're going to work on that East L.A. or L.A.-esque um, thing, thing, song. So be ready for that. We're coming for you. We're coming for you. We're going to... We're gonna collaborate and create some tunes. Hopefully, we can make the make it to the Prado tracks. But I want to see if we can get um, Prado back in the show to kind of give us a follow up to his album. I, I just thought it was good, and I think he needs a platform to kind of spread the news. I mean, it's called what is it called? The EP, the Love EP, or something? Or El Amor. El Amor. So check it out. It's on Spotify, uh, Google Music, Apple Music, all your main distributors. It's a really good album. It's not. The, it's a very. It's a thirty-minute album, so you can actually crush it in a in a drive. But really good stuff. I was really um, happy to listen to it. I think he did really good work, and I'm just trying to encourage a fellow musician to keep going forward. 
Well, that wraps up. Music Speaks. Peace. Yeah.